Well, church, how are we this morning? Yes, it's good to be back with you. Thank you to Ed, who covered and did a phenomenal job the last two weeks. It was good, uh, great opportunity to be with my, uh, my son. He did a little wrestling tournament, did real well at the state wrestling championships here for Georgia. And that was a lot of fun, great experience. Wouldn't wanted to miss that as a dad. Um, but it really is, I, I miss our church. I, it, it's, it, there's a piece of my heart that's gone when I'm not with you. And especially when I hear how last week was like off the chain. It was awesome. You guys are like really fired up. And I've been surprised today. I, I thought today would kind of be like a sleepy kind of day. But man, last service, everybody was fired up. Uh, and it was just exciting. Uh, good day all the way around. So uh, if you're a guest today, glad you're with us. We are uh, oddly for you in the tail end of a series. It's kind of like walking into the middle of a movie and going, uh, I don't know what's going on. But I'll, I'll try to play a little bit of a catch-up this morning and bring you up to speed. Uh, we are in a series called Money Game. Today's message is about money, but it's not really about money. Um, so, you know, you, could, you can sit back and rest easy that no one's going to try to come by and, and steal something, pull something, uh, no shenanigans trying to get something out of your wallet today, okay? So let's just, let's just rest a little easier on that. Uh, to kick things off this morning, I want to introduce two people real quick. They thought they could hide by not sitting in the front row. But those two people right there, can you stand up? This is my sister Jill and my brother-in-law, Chris McCown. Yes, you can't shake your head no to your brother. That is my, that is my baby sister. And we have lots of stories. Uh, we shared one last night that I got put in a bathtub to try to take away the spanking marks on my legs and my rear end because I was choking her like when I was like eight years old. My grandmother saw fit to not let me do that. Thank you or she'd not be here today. God bless my granny as she's in heaven. So, but my grandmother was scared that my mom and dad would be mad because I was so like, woo, she tanned me. I mean, I, I was like, there was no tan about it. It was just red, right? So that's, anybody have a granny like that? Granny don't play, right? I had a granny she would not play. The other memory we have is my sister has a, an ink mark right there in her knee. That was when I threw a pencil trying to stab her, and it broke off lead in her leg. So um, we have lots of stories. But I was a great brother. In fact, the guy next to her who's been my brother-in-law for, what, like 17, 18, 20 years? Y'all are old, too. Uh, 20 years. He would, you would not be there if it wasn't for me. You owe me her. Because in college and in high school, I told a lot of boys, take a hike. She didn't like it then, but she likes it now. So how many of you guys are brothers? Your big brother? You just dominate the boys who try to go after your sisters, right? Until they're married, then you got to act like you love them. <laughs> Truth be told, and I want to honor Chris and Jill just for a moment. Um, Love my sister, love my brother-in-law. You don't know this, but in the days leading up to the launch of this church, it was scary. And Jill and Chris gave $700 for years to help launch this church. They helped pay for our salaries prior to the launch. They helped pay for much of the stuff here today by being generous. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity, and I love you both. All right, enough of that. <clears throat> I want to do this. I want to have you stand real quick. Everybody stand up with me. And I want to read today's verse that we're going to kind of base everything off of. And I want you to just read this out loud with me. And, and, and as you say it, I want you to just think about 
the ramifications of this verse. It's found in Psalms uh, 90, verse 12. It says, say it with me, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let me pray for us, and then I want to talk about that verse. God, as we stand together reading your word, God, I pray that you would just open, just literally open our hearts wide open, that they'd be receptive to what you want to say to us today. God, we ask, and many of us have come here today to hear from you. Some to find out if you're legit, if you're real. Some kicking tires, some kicking and screaming, God. But God, we're here. And there's no accident that we're here. There's no accident that in two weeks it's Easter and there's, there wasn't an accident, God, that you rose from the dead. It wasn't an accident, God, that you gave us hope through your son who gives us life. It's not an accident, God, that you want to lead us deeper into knowing you today. So, Lord, help us get there. Open our hearts. God, bind the enemy from our thoughts today. And let us each, at the, at the, at the end of this conversation, say yes to taking a step, a spiritual step, pursuing your, pursuing your greater than we ever have before. Help us to, to rule out any reasons that we might conjure up why we would not be in full surrender to you. Guide us in this conversation. Guide me, God. Help this not to be about me, but help you to be the hero in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you think about our time, you can sit. Sorry. <laughs> I did that like three times at a wedding. I never, I, I always forget to seat people. I just figured you guys kind of know. Um, when you think about our time, and I'm thinking about my sister and, and, and our history and how fast time goes by, right? Some of you guys are just like, whoa. It is just, I mean, like it was just January. And now we're like on the cusp of Easter, and we're showing Easter videos and talking about Easter, and the weather's changing. You guys got allergies, and you're, some of you guys are like drooling down out of your nose, and it's like disgusting. Give that guy a, a napkin, by the way. Um, but, I mean, you think about our, our time, and you've got to weigh in our priorities because so much as time diminishes and goes away, so important is, is how we spend it. How we give our time and our lives away are vital to how we experience God's goodness. And I want to show you a principle today because really this message really is based off as, of Psalms 90. Teach us to number our days aright, that we gain a heart of wisdom. You know how we get wisdom? Wisdom comes by exercising the knowledge that, that, you, that you have. So we're gonna, I'm going to give you some knowledge of God's word today, but I'm praying that you would say yes so God would give to you wisdom that you would, you would number your days wisely, that you would live them in such a way that God would, would be cheering and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've run the, way, you've run the race well. You, you've, you know, you've not been perfect, none of us will, but you've, you've attempted to follow and be surrendered to who I am. And the reasons of us choosing to, to follow and surrender God are, are insurmountable, right? If you, if, you, if you know God as your Savior and you've had God prick your heart, then you know the benefits of being a Christ follower, both on this earth and, and once and for all as we, as we have eternity with God in heaven. I mean, the benefits of following God are, are, are insurmountable. They're unexplainable. But I want to show you quickly the, prince, the, the main thrust and principle of where I want to take you, and then I want to give you three big takeaways today. But in Genesis, 
we see in the very, very beginning. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to show you Genesis. I'm going to show you Exodus. I'm going to show you a little bit of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and I'm going to show you a big chunk of Matthew, all right? So get ready. So it's a lot of Scripture. If you're, if you're slow at finding that, you just go to, go to Matthew, all right? Matthew 6. I think we're going to be Matthew 6 later. All right, but if you don't have a Bible, no worries. You can download it real quick. You can find Bible app, whatever. Um, if you have it, look it up. But I want to show you this, and we'll have it on the screen. So I want to show you this in Genesis chapter 4. This is when God, even before, like most people, if you're even new to the faith or Bible study, you've heard of Moses, you've heard of Abraham. Even before those guys, even before the law, right, when God showed us the law so we'd know what was wrong or right and then sent us Jesus later on. Before that, God begins to tell something about himself. And we learn a principle that runs all the way through the pages of Scripture. So this is something that's like, if, you, if you've never really let this sink in, and I'll tell you, I didn't have this sunk in until probably slightly before we launched this church. But this was something that we birthed in this church, this mindset that I think is so valuable for all of us. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, we're going to start. It says, now Abel kept the flocks. This is Adam and Eve's kids, right? Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So right off the bat, you see one dude's a shepherd, one dude's a farmer. One guy's taking care of the flocks, one guy's taking care of the plants. All right, so we got shepherd, we got farmer, and it says something very strategic. I, thought, I think I put this there very intentionally in Scripture. It says that in the course of time, like there's a, a length to this statement here. In the course of time. Cain brought some of the fruits of what he worked, the soil, as an offering to the Lord. But Abel, and you would think this is like, wah, 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 right? The bad news, the but, bad news, the like, but now this guy. But this guy, this guy walks away like, mm, feeling real good about things, right? So, but Abel did something different. He bought, he brought fat portions, which is just another way of expressing, he brought sacrificed animals. He brought portions of his animals. But here's, here's the deal. From the firstborn of his flock. And it says that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain, his, his offering, he did not look with favor. So let me just ask you, let's just, just, let's just have one thought for just a second. Who in here does not want to have God's favor? I mean, we see it in Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's, it's maybe called something different than favor, it's, but it's just like God's goodness, right? Anybody not want to have God's goodness? Anybody want to be against God? I, I would say if, if you do, it's a losing battle, right? God's large and in charge. And what we learn the longer you're a Christ follower, that, man, God is good and, man, he loves me. And we'll see that really evidenced in two weeks from now when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, which just shouts to us, I'm alive, so can you be forever. I mean, that, that's, that's the message of, of the resurrection, that whatever your struggle, whatever your difficulty, whatever, whatever pain and suffering, it will not end in death, but you can, through me, have everything, life and all that God's given us, right? That's, that's the message that we'll celebrate in two weeks. So here God has two dudes 
One gets his favor, one does not. I remember talking to a guy um, in one of my, I did go to seminary for a little while, um, and I remember hearing a guy ask our professor, a really smart guy, it wasn't me, it was another kid, um, really, really smart guy, asked a lot of questions. I remember like just thinking, gosh, just let him get through class, don't ask so many questions, but I remember this because it was cool. He said, what is this, what is this verse, this passage really, really mean? And, and, and I, I wanted to know what it meant. I mean, I don't really totally get this. Um, but he said, he asked him, what, what did God mean by, you know, this one guy and blessing one and not the other? And he said this. He said, why did God not like Cain's offering? And the professor said, Cain tried, but he just wasn't able. <laughs> Boom. Okay, you guys can chalk that up. You can forget I said it, but if you ever want to use it, just know it doesn't work. Um, but... But essentially what he did say was, he said that essentially Cain's offering um, didn't have blood in it. Meaning that from the earliest pages of scripture, God was setting up for us to view and to understand the need for there to be a sacrifice for sin. And this was really a picture of a coming savior who would come and be the blood sacrifice atonement making way for, paying for, providing for our sins. Basically stepping in saying, you don't have to pay for sin. I'll do it for you. I'll shed my blood in my entire life for you. So I always took that. Like that that's what that verse means. But it dawned on me several years ago that as I've, as I've studied God's word, and I've gotten to know it personally, it wasn't like, you know, what mommy and daddy read to me. It, it, this became my, this became my faith over the years, and I've fallen more in love with God but what has jumped off the pages of this passage is this. Cain gave in the course of time. Remember I pointed that, that, that particular part of that, vas- that passage out? Cain gave in, the, in, the, in, the, in a course of time. Meaning the difference between what he gave and what Abel gave, Abel gave what was first. Cain gave what was later and last. And what we learn in the pages of Scripture is God is always wanting to know where he ranks in this relationship, in this relationship, not this. I ain't him. But he, God wants to know, where, where does this rank? How are we doing? What priority am I in your life? Where do I rank in this love relationship? That's what this passage, I believe, is really saying. I believe you got two guys, one guy that was storing up all his stuff and every, every now and then threw God a bone. He's the farmer. He was worried about when things would, would if, if this season was going to be good or this season was going to be bad. The other guy wasn't storing up mounds and mounds and mounds of his livestock, but he was giving his firstborn. So whenever mama was having babies, he was like, here's God, here's one for you. The rest to take care of us. And God's going, good job, bro. Remember me in everything that you are and everything that you do, and I'm going to take care of you. That's going to be the story of today. So here's the deal. We've been in this money series, and some of you guys have been like the pucker factor going on. like, ah, okay. All right, we're almost done. But I don't want you to walk away today missing this point. So kind of just ease up, and and let me challenge you on this, and, and hear my heart. God doesn't need your stuff. 
God needs to know where he places in your life. And, and, I, and, I, and I use the word need. Like God needs, God needs to know. Yeah, God needs to know where he places in your life. He needs to know, he wants to know where he ranks and places in your life. Why? Because God wants to be loved first. He wants to be loved first. You know why he wants to be loved first? Because he loved you first. Scripture says before he, before you were ever on the earth, God sacrificed for you. He made payment for us to have freedom from sin, salvation, and life beyond death. So I say this, and I bring this up, and I, we've talked about this probably back in 2012, the last time I, I, I showed you this passage. But I say this on the cusp of Easter because I feel like it, it's like springtime. And it's a time to grow. I mean, we got, we got you know, stuff budding, stuff growing. And for many of you, this is like the, the last step for you. This is, this is like one of the things that's been holding you back in your growth. Some of you have been saying, you know, that last song, our God is greater, our God is stronger, he's higher. And, and you're going, you're like, where's the love? Some of you go, where's the love, God? Where are you at? That, that, that's what you feel sometimes. God, where are you at? And I would say God's exactly where he's always been at, with his arms stretched out saying, you come closer to me. I'm there with you and waiting for you. And it all has to do with this God first priority thing. Where does he rank in your life? So when we started the church, we started the church like with this in mind. God, we, we want you to be first in everything. When we, before we launched the church, as we were, we were taking outside support, none of you even knew about this church or us. We had outside supporters. And as soon as we, we went and got the first, you know, my church incorporation checkbook, the very, you know, what, what we did our first check, we didn't write it to our salaries. We didn't write it to take care of any of our needs. It wasn't because we were godly or spiritual. It's just we saw this. And I was scared to death. I was like, I don't want to screw this church up. I don't, I'm, I'm scared for my money, but I'd rather it be in your hands than in my hands. So I'm going to do what this says. And the very first check we stroked was for another family launching another church. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense. We needed the money. The second check, check we wrote was to an entire apartment complex. Now, there was a little bit of an agenda involved here. We were trying to start a church. We needed people to know about it. But we wrote the next check for hundreds of hot dogs and hamburgers and inflatables and fun stuff at the apartment complex, Greystone Falls Apartments. You guys know that? That's that, right? Some of you guys know. We, that was the next check. The third and fourth check, we're going to places that we, we, were, helping, we were helping when Columbus had a big, massive layoff in one of our companies right after the church launched. We took our entire offering, like $10,000 that Sunday, and we gave it back to all the families that we found had been laid off from that company. We gave it all away. We called it Bailout Columbus because there was the, kind of a big thing going on in our, in our, our country then called the bailout, right? We said, well, man, that's what God does for us. God bails us out. He bailed, he bailed us out like in a big way. Let's, 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 let's show some love. So we, we, we've been doing this since day one, saying, God, we don't want to act like you're, we're in control. We want to act like and model to that you rank number one in our life. And the best way to show that is like, 
open-handedness, right? Because many of you guys, you know this, right now you're living in fear. With what? Some of your money. Some of you got some other things going on. But by, by and large, many of us live like worried about how things are going to end up. Will I have enough retirement? Can I, can I pay for my kids' college? Can I pay for their wedding? Can I, can I make next week's whatever? But here's the thing with God. And I want to give you three principles that, that, that we'll see out of all this. The first one is this, and this is very simple. We've been talking about it. first one is this. Three, princi- three principles I want to encourage you to live by. Number one, God must be first. If you're going to live life and experience God to his fullness and not walk through your Christian experience and say, where's the love, or where's God, or this is all that there is, no, no, no. God is bigger and larger and wider and more awesome than we will ever know. And he wants to prove that to you and show that to you, but it's going to come by way of you stepping towards him by saying, God, I'm going to acknowledge you in everything. I want to make you first in everything. Now, I'll, I'll show you this, and I'll just give you some proof that this is not my words, God's words. In Exodus, just a little bit later in the Bible, Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 3, it says this, And God spoke these words. Here's God. Speaking them, some dude pinning them down for us today. God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt. This was for them then, and this is a principle for life for us now. I brought you out of Egypt. Of course, he's talking about the Israelites. In their slavery, they were destitute. They were scared. God was proving to a whole generation who's large and in charge, right? I'm going to rescue you so that you can pass on who I am to others. So you can live in faith and not in fear. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You know what that, that one statement is? That's one of what's called the Ten Commandments. That's the first of the, the ten. So God's very first thing he wanted was to be first. Now, it's kind of crazy. It's like, God, I thought jealousy was wrong because you kind of sound like jealous. Can I tell you that jealousy is fine? And, uh, gosh, I shouldn't tell you this story, but I got to. It's so awesome. I'm going to try to make up for some time i got to be kind of vague. <clears throat> Went to a doctor last week. Not for me, nothing bad, someone in our family, no big deal. And this doctor hitting on my wife, right? I mean, like, straight up. Said, said like, you know, some funny things, and I'm like, what was he really saying about this? And, um, and so, I mean, I just got, like, red in the face and was like, I'm going to just have a, I'm going to excuse my family out, and we're going to have a conversation. You need to, like, pay attention to your job and quit paying attention to her. And I thought of all that because there was something I was about to say. Oh, jealous, that's what it was. <laughs> it's all good. God's jealous. I can be jealous. That woman is mine. She goes home with me, not you. Back off Jack, right? So it's all good. I get to see him again. So... So God is a jealous God. Is that a bad thing? No. Do you know why it's okay for God to be jealous? Because he's relational. We, as human beings, try to make God religious. And God's like, don't put me in that little bitty religion box. I'm not those other fake gods. I'm the God. I am the God. And God wants to strut and show off his grace and his love. But he's like, where do I rank with you? 
If you aren't pursuing me, how can you be close enough to really experience my greatness? How can you follow me so far and expect to feel my, my power, my love, and my grace at such a distance? So Deuteronomy says this, don't allow, don't follow other gods, the gods of anybody else around you. Basically, that's like don't live like the world. Don't, don't give, put all your stock in, you know, anything else that you think is going to bring you a, or, or an ROI, a great return on your investment. When God's like, I'm the one. Invest in this relationship. Don't follow anybody else. Don't follow any other gods. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. He says it. He says he's a jealous God. And what he's trying to communicate is this. He's trying to communicate like, Jeff, do you remember when my son Jesus came to this earth and died for you? And Jesus was on this earth about to die, and he said, Father, will you take this cup from me? This is going to be painful. Can you let me out of this? And God said, no. You know why he said no? Because of a relationship that he wanted to have with you and I that seals the deal once and for all. If you ever said, does God love us? There it is. God gave first to us his first and his best to model to us he wants our first and our best. God's a jealous God, but he's jealous because he's, he's more relational than the relationships you have in this room. You know why? Because these are imper imperfect relationships. He is a perfect person to have the biggest, best relationship with. Because he's a perfect God who loves us unconditionally. Now, I've been married 23 years. This August. Yeah. That's good, I think. I, I'm kind of proud of it. 23 years. I love my wife. She loves me. And what's crazy is I can picture the aisle she walked down is a little bit longer than this aisle. And I was bowed up like, that's going to be my girl. Woo -woo. I was like, you know, whatever the, 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 the whip and the nene was back then, I, was, I thought I was doing it. But um, I'm watching her come down the aisle. I remember we stood there face to face. We wrote vows. I can't remember what mine my, my were. But essentially, the vows that she shared to me we're like, hey, Murphy boy, there's like three billion other boys on this planet, and I'm choosing you. I'm making you number one. I'm like, uh-huh, mm, yeah, that's right, number one. I'm, that's, that's my mama right there. That's, we're, we're going home together. She's staying in my room. That's right. Get some of that. And I'm going, that, that's my girl. But how would it have been, how, how would it have been had she said her vows and like, hey, Murphy boy, you're, did you see that? What's that? Oh, uh, solved. Okay. So, but what if, what if she said what she said to me and my response would have been, hey, Murphy girl or Heinsohn girl, there's three billion other women on this planet and guess what? I'm going to make you number two. How many of y'all know there's been like a fallout right there? Teeth and hair and, and like, like bad, right? Like, like, like crazy fight, right? That wouldn't have worked. See, here's the thing. My wife had an expectation. I had an expectation that when we walked that aisle and what we said meant that I was going to be first place, ranked, not then, not later, but always ranked number one in her life. The feeling goes both ways. My wife was here in the first service. Well, you just saw her. She did the announcements. She was here earlier in the service. And when, with, what, what I know of my wife is 
what we know of each other is we are first in each other's lives. It's not just like a, 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 a shallow commitment. It's like this deep covenant we made. And the same commitment, covenant, that God made for us, God says, do you feel the same way? I'm a jealous God. You have needs. I let those needs happen in this lifetime to help steer you back to my grace, back to my love. You want to know who God is? Follow him. You want to experience God? Surrender to his best plan and his will. And what he says is, if you want to gain a heart of wisdom, put me first. So how do we put him first? I'll tell you this, and number two here. We put God first by giving him first of everything. We put him first by, by making him first of everything. It's kind of the same thing in my relationship with Christy. I can't put her first in some of the things, right? Christy, you're number one over here, but over here the kids are number one. Now, does that work? How many of you guys, seriously, how many of you guys, you're, you're, you're parents of children right now. You have kids, all right? A lot of hands, all right? How many of you guys are going to have kids? They're awesome, but can I tell you just a small piece of honesty? They will, they can suck the life out of your, your marriage. And if you let them, if you let them, they will not intentionally make mama number two and daddy number two. You know the greatest gift you can give your kids is a great, she's number one, I'm number one marriage. You're number two. It's the greatest thing you can ever do for your kids, I promise you. It's the greatest model you can live to them. I don't care what scenario it is. When you said I do, the greatest gift you can give them is, is that relationship. And it was modeled to us by Christ. The picture for us as husband and wife is Jesus and the church. He said, I love the church. I'm going to sacrifice my life for her. It was a symbol and a picture of someone loving something so much that nothing would stand in the way of his desire to love it unconditionally. That's how I'm supposed to be about Christy and her with me. So we should never be number two, number second place. So how do we do that? We give each other first place in everything. I don't hide stuff from her. I don't have a side thing going over here. Someone else is not first. Something else, something, it, whatever, is not first. She's first. God says, because of what I've done for you, all that I've given, all that I've sacrificed, all that I want to continue to do in your life is there for you. I just want, I just want to know in this love relationship where I rank. Am I first? So, so how do you do that? Um, and you guys know this is a money message, but it's not a money message. It's an everything message. It's like a great everything bagel. It's got everything on it. You guys ever had an everything bagel? They're good. You can't figure out what to get. You just bite into one of those. It's like, woo, onions and, you know, everything. So, so the reason this is beneficial for us, it doesn't benefit God. It, it does. He's relational. We, we get that. But it benefits us because it proves priority. We need to make God first because it proves priority. The more I am submitting to God's will, the more I'm in God's will. The more I'm pursuing God and obeying God, the closer I am to him. The more I'm loving my wife, the more I'm spending money on her, the more I'm doing for her, guess where the relationship's going to be? White, hot baby. Like, shaz- like, like good, like awesome. 
God wants an awesome, incredible love connection with you. We, again, we try to put him in this, this religion box. And I think God just throws up at the mouth going, that's just so far from what I want. We live in the South. Many of us have been, in a bad way, inoculated to what God wants to do in our lives because we've got little bits of it here there. We never took steps of, like, following him and saying, I'm all in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be obedient to this. And some of you, you got left and missed knowing God. And God's like, why would you ever go through life separate from me? When I'm the God of everything, I'm the owner of all. When I love you the most. When, again, I'll prove to you at the end of life, once and for all, by giving you life after life. I mean, God's like, whoo, come on, follow. So we put God first because of that. So here's the thing. So when you roll out of the bed in the morning, God wants you to put him first. I know we can have devotions anytime. This is not about, it's not about like a devotional thing. Some of you guys might study or read better later. But I'll tell you what, God wants first. So what that means is roll out of the bed the first thing in the morning, and before you go to get your Fruit Loops or Reese's Puffs or whatever it is, he wants you before you slide over there, slide over to him and say, God, today I'm, I'm on this planet because you gave me one more breath. God, God I'm, 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 I'm waking up with a roof over my head because of you. God, thank you for you. I love you. Thank you for this. Then slide over there and get your fruit, loop, fruit Loops. And you know what God's going? He's going, woohoo! He loves me more than Fruit Loops, right? I mean, that's what God's doing. God loves it when we put him first. So God says, put me first in everything. First of the day, first of the week, first of the year. Do you know every year our church, since the beginning of our church, you know what we've done every beginning of the year? We've had a time where I've, whatever series we've talked about, we've said, we want you to have 21 days as we kick off the year to do some special prayers and some fasting. Now, some of that fasting stuff's a little, like, foreign to you guys, but it's just saying, God, I'm going to give you the first of my year. We do first of our finances in my house. You guys lights went out a few weeks ago remember we had like some thunderstorm and lights went out all over town lights went out in here i was finishing a story my father-in-law stole stole my thunder remember that remember that he cut me off homie don't play that no more so um just kidding no i i, I he's my father-in-law he's great so so i was telling a story about us selling puppies and what we're going to do with that money well we made a commitment and wanted to model it to my daughter that after we sold those puppies we're going to take this money. The commitment was to buy her a car. We promised to bless her. She was going to help with the process. All the kids jumped in. But before we were going to give that money to the car, we said we're going to give God first. So before we spent it anywhere, we spent it on God. We tithed 10% off those funds to our church, to this local church. And let me just tell you something. I had already been, I had been looking up cars for months. Like, I'm a shopper. Like, I'm hunting something always. Some of you guys know what that's like. I'm hunting. And I had called this woman about a car. I've been calling people in Colorado. I mean, calling all over the place, looking for the very best deal of a lifetime, right? We've got to get my baby the best. And so I remember this woman told me, no, like, the very first out of the gate, uh, here's what we're going to have. Nope. Can I tell you, we tied that money. She came off three times the amount that we tithed off of three months later. I could not have afforded the car that God gave to us 
had we not given first and ranked God number one. Are you tracking? This is not a amount of money thing. It's a heart thing. Do you know where my heart is right now? God and my daughter, because we just gave money towards her. But all of that is because God blessed us. God showed favor because he's like, you're doing it right. Good job. You're trusting in me. I would have rather had more money because I felt like that would have been, you know, a better set of tires. I wouldn't have to put tires. This got great tires in this car. Brand new tires. Everything works great. Took the mechanics are awesome. That's because of God. That's because we're saying, God, I'm putting you first. And God's going, yep, and then reap the benefits of following me. So put God first by giving him everything. Leviticus, Leviticus 27:30. it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to God. And then he, he explains this. He says, but, but, but set it apart first because ultimately, right here, it says, it is holy to the Lord. There's just something about putting God first in everything. There's just something about it being the first it being your best. God, I'm going to give you the top of my day. I, I'm, I'm wide awake. Some of you guys aren't. You might want to just say, God, I love you. You're awesome. And can we catch up in 10 minutes? That's cool. But give God your first and your best. God here talks about this word tithe. If you've ever been to church, people talk about that as a money thing. And it is. And I think scriptures knew this long ago. Scripture says that wherever your money goes, your heart will follow. God says, give me a portion of your stuff. Now remember, we, two weeks ago we said God owns everything, so it all came from him. God says, if you'll trust me with a tenth, and it's a percentage thing. And in the New Testament, he said, just trust me with everything. But in the Old Testament, they talk about a tenth. And we think for Christians, if you're going to trust God with the money thing, start somewhere. If you can't start with a tenth, and I, some, of you, some of you guys have got some things out of balance financially. But start somewhere. Pick a percent and be consistent with it. Why? Because God says... Trust him with it. Notice Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So the question this morning is, and I just want to ask this from a financial way because it's the most easy, tangible way to think of this. Is God first in your money? Is he first in your finances? Is he first in your money? Let me show you how we... we uh, practically norm, what we normally do with our, our funds, all right? This is a practical example of, of five things we can do with our money. The first thing we can do, we can spend it. Nobody has an issue spending your money, right? No one has an issue with that. The second thing we can do is we can pay our, repay our debts. I work, I work, I work, and off to work I go, right, to pay the debts, pay the bills. Third thing is we pay taxes, right? That's about to happen in another month, two months. The fourth thing is we can save it and we can invest it. And the fifth thing is we can give it away. Now let me just ask you a quick question. As you look at those up on that board, there's only one thing that determines the order of that list. You know what it is? What determines that list is what's important to you. I gave you this list as a practical way to show that that's the priority of how most of us live our lives. It's for some of you, maybe many of you, the reason why you are in debt. And you want to be generous. I don't think there's a person here that doesn't believe this principle and want to have God 
and his covering and whatever you want to call that, God large and in charge rather than me, you know, I want to have it, submit to his plan. But most of us want to be generous, but because we operate off of a me first mentality rather than a God first mentality, we're left oftentimes waiting and wanting and for a lot of us worrying, worrying, living in fear. God, I've been doing it my way, and this way has not been working. So we can live in such a way that makes, honestly, great financial sense, but spiritually, spiritually, when we say, God, I'm going to put you first, and we activate that, we see God in a, in a way that we've never seen him before. The third thing is this, and I want to close. The first has the power to bless the, the rest. Scripture says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That verse goes on to say, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. That's a promise from God. A little bit later in that passage in verse 9, it's, in verse nine it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits, that's pulling from Cain and Abel, right? Honor the, the, the Lord with your first fruits of all your crops. And here's a promise. Here's God, not me. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Why? 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 I don't get this, God. Here's, here's God. This is God basically obligating himself. God's, I'm obligated myself. If you'll do this, I'm obligated myself to do this in your life. I'm obligating myself to do it. That's God's promise. God says, you can be in charge or I can be in charge. You can put me in first place in your life, and I'm obligating myself to take care of you. That's what God's promise is. And for us who are maybe new to the faith, and can I tell you, our stats around here are unbelievably awesome. I mean, we're getting it done as a church. 55% of our church was not in church prior to this church. But for many of us, this is still the, the next step you've got to take. Some of you are like, I'm serving God. I'm giving my time. That's awesome. But it doesn't supplement what Scripture says by trusting Him with everything. And probably for us, if I just had to guess, the hardest place for you to trust God is with your money. You know it by your checkbook, right? Just, just look up your check registry. Some of you guys are like, checkbook. Yeah, for those of you guys who are going, it's this little rectangle thing. You used to write on and go here. It kind of wasn't money, but it was attached to the account. Most of you look at your, your, most of you right now are looking at last year through your, through your accounts, through your credit card statements. And you're going, wow, we spent a lot at Chick-fil-A. Am I right? $1,000, anybody more than $2,000? Don't raise your hand. Don't do it. You want to you look at your money, and I'll tell you what you love. Some of you guys are spending money on, on all your hobbies. You need to spend it on your wife. Right? She feels unloved because you love something else more than her. It's, it's proof in your finances. You want to you wanna ask... How much do you love God? How much do you trust God? How much do you have faith? <clears throat> Last verse I want to give you is this. I'm going to close. Let me give you this verse by saying, I know this is a, an intense topic. I know it. I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. 
I'm not on an outside island. I'm with you in this. I give and sacrifice financially to this church, and it keeps my heart following God and experiencing God. So I'm no, I'm, I know what you're feeling, but it takes faith to live this way. There's one word in the Bible God said, please, that, that, said, that Jesus says, or God says, pleases me, and it's faith. Faith pleases God. When we step out into an area that we don't know the outcome, and we trust God with it, especially in the realm of what God says to give back to him, then and only then do we really see God for who he is. When we activate our faith, we see more of God. We experience God's faithfulness. It takes faith to live this way. Matthew 6, I'm going to end with this. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't have two people at number one. Just like my wife, she's going to expect me to go home with her tonight, not somebody else. Right? The same very way God says, nobody can serve two people in first place. You cannot serve both God and money, it says. Therefore, and then God gets sympathetic. I tell you, don't worry about life or what you'll eat or what you drink, all those stuff that we worry about. If we've got enough of, stored up, college, kids' weddings, whatever it is, next week's paycheck, or worry about your own body or what you wear, is not life more important, important than food? That is, if you're not homeless. And the body more important than dollars or clothes? And then basically he starts to encourage you. Look at the birds of the air. And he talks about birds and how much he loves and clothes and takes care of them. He talks about plants and how he takes care of the plants and how every year these beautiful lilies come back year after year. We're not worried if the lilies come back this year, are we? God says, don't worry about those things. Don't labor in that. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed up like one of these, these other things. He was dressed better. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, he will clothe you much more. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. Like kind of like a little, you know, challenge smackdown. Like, like come on, don't have little faith. I want, to have, I want you to have big faith in me. Don't have little faith. Activate me. And here's the activate verse. This is where God, again, we'll see God obligated himself to us right here. So, and here comes a new thought. Don't. Don't worry about saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, people who don't know God, run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them. But, here it is, I'm going to end with this, but seek first his kingdom. Seek God first. Seek God first, all his kingdom and everything about God and all these things. What, what kind of things? Everything, all things will be given to you as well. So here's the thing as I close. God doesn't want your beliefs. God doesn't want your belief. Even the enemy, even the devil believes in God. Do you know 97% of Americans say they believe in God? God He doesn't care about your beliefs. God wants your faith. God wants you to trust him. That is how you build a relationship. Some of you today are like, where's God? How come I don't feel him? How come I don't experience him? Where's God for me? God's going, I'm right here. You heard the word. 
I think if God's moving your heart today, your next step is to go, okay, okay, I'm going to start trusting you. I'm going to start trusting you in this financial piece. Our church has been great with this. Can I just say this? this is, we're, we're doing fine. Our church has been pr predominantly great. Many of you guys have tested the waters at times. We've had big gift days and given big monies away. But I want, I want you to go to another level. I want you to know God as he's talking about in Scripture that this goes beyond like a once and done thing to like, let's be consistent. Let's put God first every morning, every day, and everything, and let's see what happens in your relationship with God. How would you like to go to bed tonight knowing that God is in control of everything? Let's pray. God, we, uh, we take this moment we, we ponder on your word. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit moves our hearts and that, God, whatever you lead us to do, whether it's starting to play a role in this faith and activating God's, you know, what he's obligated him to do to, to place us in the palm of his hands and say, I'm your protector, I'm your provider. Or, God, whether it's just the every day to say, God, you're number one, you're number one, you're number one, and we, we exercise it by pursuing you, by loving you, by, by our treasure, our time, our talents, God, everything that we are, God, I pray that each of us would take that next step this morning and say, God, I'm going to trust you by and take that step. I'm going to start trusting you by and, 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 and trust God by faith and do it. Lord, I pray for strength and courage. I pray you'd bind the enemy. I pray that this would be a once in a lifetime message for those who like they've, they've got duped they've been duped they've been inoculated by a little piece of religion and they've missed the greatness of being in a relationship with the God of the universe who gave his life for us who promises us everything if we put him first place in our lives we love you Jesus amen our host teams are going to come forward we want to we want to close this moment we want to worship God if you're new to worship we kind of end our services out with this moment where we say thanks. The bucket comes by. We do have a time of, of giving. And if you're a guest here today, we just want to say be our guest. If this is a, 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 you're a regular around here and this is new to you, I encourage you to start trusting God. Maybe not at this moment. Maybe later. Maybe you take some of our smart giving information. That's fine. But listen, this is not something for us as much as it's for you. Yeah, we can use this for, for great things. We can change lives with this. But my hope and prayer is that God would transform your heart by you trusting every moment of everything, every day with him. We pray for this offering. God bless this. God bless those as you promised. Obligate yourself to those, God, who are, who are trusting you and extending to you what's already rightfully yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.